0: Psalms 103, we're going to look at 1 through 5. It's going to carry us through about 5, possibly, today. Uh, But I'd like to address this text to the fathers. Uh, And really, you know, you can address this to the young men. You can address this to the ladies as well. But being that today is Father's Day, I would like to address it to the fathers. I have found uh, over the last probably... and. Some people may laugh at me when I say this. I'm 40, but over the last 30 years, I have found, and and you say, well, you've been watching people this long? Well, yeah, for the most part. Um, I can remember as a young man uh, watching over others, especially dads, different dads, different people that uh, called themselves dads, and um, watching how they act, how they interact with their children, and just different things like that. And... um, Men, dads, fathers, and they have a tendency, Tendency. one thing that I've realized is fathers have a tendency to lack in spiritual disciplines. To lack in spiritual disciplines. If you have to ask me for evidence, I'll just ask you to look within yourself. Amen? We lack spiritual Disciplines When I look towards my spiritual disciplines I fall short in a lot of areas When I look towards me being a father I mean well just last night I had to apologize to my family And ask for forgiveness From my children And my wife Did I or did I not See, I can't get up and preach And not practice what I preach And so even last night I had to apologize to my children and come to them and ask for forgiveness. And this is something that I try to do when I mess up or something that I try to do when I've been a little bit off. You see through the course of years where dads don't do that. And and it leaves scars on children. It leaves scars, lasting scars on families. We understand that our Heavenly Father is, without a doubt, the standard bearer for what it means to be a good daddy, right? Y'all with me? Y'all gonna have to help me here. He's the standard bearer for what it means to be a good dad. You say, well, God is perfect, He ought to be a good daddy. That's true. It's true. He is perfect. He's the best. He's the standard bearer. He is a good daddy. But Jesus in the book of Matthew in chapter 5 says, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. The Son of God in this verse tells us to be like His Father. The example of his father was given in his son who is perfect. And so we see that standard bearer there in Christ from the Father. We see that. That is that is clear. Psalms 103. Psalms 103, we're going to see a little bit of what the Lord is to us. How we're going to apply that those things to our hearts. What the Heavenly Father is like. And we're going to do that beginning right there in verse 1. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Now, we've went over these verses before. But listen to what it says. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Right off the bat, in our text, the psalmist leads out with adoration due to the Heavenly Father. You say, what in the world does that have to do on Father's Day? Well, the children should praise their fathers. No, that's not what I'm saying. Adoration is due to our Lord. And I know as a father, as a father, I would say that I'm really bad at this one at times. Can any of you guys testify to that? To adore the Lord and to bless the Lord for dads, for whatever reason... Well, I know what it, I know the reason. For dads, it's hard to show emotion. Especially that of praise, praise towards someone else. And we get it honest, don't we? We get it honest from Adam. It's called pride, right? Man, y'all going to have to wake up in here. We're going to have to go back into song service. Pride. Pride keeps us from, being, from, from, from uh, lifting up and adoring the Lord and, and blessing His holy name. It keeps us from being real before others and it keeps us from being vulnerable and open. And as fathers, it is so important, and even as mothers, it is so important that our children and those around us see us vulnerable and see us open to the Lord's adoration, how we are to worship Him. We get so caught up in being stoic and reverent that we reverence the Spirit right out of the room. Instead, we should be open about sharing our feelings. Oh man, fathers, who wants to share their feelings? Ladies love to talk about their feelings. Fathers don't like to talk about their feelings. I don't. James, do you like to talk about your feelings? No. Gavin? (laughs) Hey, wait wait a second. It comes natural, don't it? Look at that. Don't like to talk about our feelings, do we? Ladies like to talk about their feelings. Casey will ride with me to Kentucky for 12 hours, and she will talk about her feelings for 12 hours if I don't cut her off and talk about fishing or talk about the garden. She will talk about it for 12 hours. So men, we have a problem with showing and expressing our adoration for the Lord. And we can do a lot better. And the psalmist tells us this here. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Fathers, we are to bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Pride keeps us from being real before the Lord and others. Vulnerable, open. What does it mean to bless the Lord on my soul? It means to pour out your heart and your soul to Him. To tell Him how you feel about Him. To tell Him what He has done for you. To pour out your heart to Him. When you pour out a pitcher of iced tea into a glass, you're filling it up. Pouring it out. You're pulling it, pouring it all out. He wants it all. He wants you to pour out your emotions to Him and your feelings to Him. Don't worry, you can do this in private. But it's so hard even for men to find a way to do this in private. I found myself the other day, I was walking out through the garden and and I began to sing, and I thought to myself, well, what if the neighbor hears me? I was like, what am I thinking? He lives in Baton Rouge. He's never there. Well, what if the judge is driving by, you know, on his, on his side-by-side over in the back? And I'm thinking to myself, wait a second, Matthew. Why, why can't you just open your mouth and praise the Lord? Right here where you're at. And the truth is, is that we... we temper that in our lives. We bring that down and we we muffle that so often. Fathers, we can do a better job of pouring out how we feel before the Lord. As fathers, before we go any farther, let's see that it's it's okay to express your feelings. (laughs) To express your feelings. Say it with me. Everybody, express your feelings. We're allowed to do this. The Lord, our father, our papa, our daddy, wants us to to him. We can do this in private, but we can also do it at church. You say, Somebody think I'm a nut job. Somebody think I'm crazy. Probably. They will. And I, Because people are judgmental. There ain't no getting around it. They thought Christ was nuts. Thought He was insane. We have to be more open to the Lord. As leaders, we're to bless the Lord more openly and outwardly towards our Papa, towards our Daddy, our Father our Heavenly Father. Verse 2, listen to what it says. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Right here, David calls upon us here to keep a record of right, which goes completely contrary to the flesh. Completely contrary to the flesh. David calls upon us here to keep a record of right. So does the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians in the chapter of love. We forget so fast what the Lord has done for us. So fast. We go into a time of plenty, into a time of refreshing, and all of a sudden... I mean, within days, we forget who the Lord is. And we go back. Just like the children of Israel, and we get low. Then He brings us back out, and we forget. This is why we need ministers and pastors and deacons and mentors to help each other, to remind each other. This is why we need King David here. Reminding us. Listen to what it says. From the fall, our natural state is to forget the good and remember the bad. We have a natural propensity, even to watch the bad and not the good, right? I love war movies, I love them. Love watching about war. War is terrible. It's terrible. But I'm intrigued with the history of it. We forget the good that the Lord has done for us and we remember the bad in our lives so often. Verse 2, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His Benefits. Do not forget what He has done for you. Remember the good. Remember all of the good. If you have to write it down because your mind is slipping, write it down and put it on the wall. What He has done for you. These benefits we are to acknowledge. Our Lord works wonders around us all the time. Let us not be ashamed to worship Him in the home, in private, and in public. David begins with a list of blessings that the Lord has bestowed upon him. And here David acknowledges those things and blesses the Lord for them. You see that in 3 through 5. Listen to what it says in 3 through 5. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. I'm going to break these down for just a moment. And this is where we're going to go to today, 3 through 5, and that's it. But listen to what it says here in 3 through 5. First, it it starts with this. And these are spiritual things. Who forgives all your iniquity? This is the big one right here. And David starts right, doesn't he? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity? Daddies, if we're going to be vocal about anything, if you're going to praise and to bless the Lord, even mamas, let it be first and foremost what God has done for you and let that be telling of Him forgiving your sins. Do we see how important that is? The first thing that we see here that David is speaking about, being vocal about the forgiveness of sins I praise the Lord for the forgiveness of sins Father I bless your holy name because you have forgiven me past present and future you have removed my sins as far as the east is from the west can we do that? This is what David calls on us first to do. If we're going to be vocal, if we're going to praise Him and bless Him outwardly and sing adoration to Him, blessing the Lord with our soul, let us start with the first thing that He did, and that was cleanse our soul. Let it be about forgiveness of sins. But notice what the text says in verse 3. Who forgives? All your iniquity. All our sins. They have been removed and they have been taken away from us and we have been cleansed. Pay careful attention first about David and what he's talking about here. He's not talking about temporal things. He is is beginning with spiritual matters. And he will continue those spiritual matters through this psalm. Because when we start thinking about temporal things, it's quite easy for us to bless the Lord for all sorts of things that we have, isn't it? Bless the Lord for my paycheck. Bless the Lord for my clothes. Bless the Lord for my food. We do it every day when we sit down and eat. Those things are easy to do. Because we can see him right in front of us, but David does not start with "Bless the Lord, thank you for all my sheep." I don't see anywhere David ever thanking the Lord for all of his sheep. What does he say? Who forgives all your iniquity? David starts with sin. The spiritual, the most important. He starts with the spiritual. Then he moves on, he says, Who heals all your diseases. Now, this is not necessarily in our natural bodies. Remember, we're talking spiritual here, we're not talking about temporal things that pass away. If he was talking about temporal things, he could have said, thank you for my kingdom, thank you for my crown. Thank you I'm not being hunted anymore by Saul. But no, he's talking spiritual things here. Spiritual things. Can he heal our physical bodies? Yes. But he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to. David is talking about the spiritual healing here. The healing of disease is referring to the cause of sin being gone. The cause of sin being gone. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases. See how they follow? Forgives our sins and forgives us our iniquities. Or all our diseases, I'm sorry. The healing of disease is referring to the cause. Please understand that. Or sin being gone. Then the disease will be healed. Do we get it? The leper has a virus of leprosy in his body. And the only way for the spots to be removed and the only way for that to be gone and for him to be restored is first of the root cause being removed. And that is the virus. We know that sin is the virus and the effects of that sin are all over the place. It's full of disease and you see it in all sorts of different people. That disease of sin... And that can only be cured when the cause has met its match by the blood of Christ. First and foremost. Notice daddies and really everyone that's here. We are to bless the Lord for the removal of the cause and the effect we're to bless the Lord for the removal of the cause and the effect of sin. Do we see that? David, here in this text, he does not start with the temporal things. He does not start with his own flesh. He does not start with his provisions that God has provided him with, physical provisions. He starts spiritually. David is still on the spiritual, and he goes further than that. He goes further who redeems your life from the pit. Now, I don't know anybody that here that has been in a physical pit that couldn't get out. I I don't know. Maybe so. I don't know. I never have. But I've seen them on TV. (laughs) People try, or wells, people try to get out of and they can't because the walls are too slick. No matter how much strength that they have, if they can't get a hold of anything, they can't do it. Even dependent on their own strength, a lot of times they can't do it. But here in our text, we have to look at this pit. What he's talking about is is a spiritual pit that we have fallen into, who redeems your life from the pit. We have been bought, and we understand this, by the precious blood of Christ. And in this transaction, we have been lifted out of the pit. We've been bought back, we've been lifted out of the pit. Out of a pit of destruction, out of the pit of death, out of a pit of disease. This pit is not one that we can climb out of ourselves through good works. It is not one that we can reverse simply because we think we can. No, not at all. This is not one where we need even a life rope. Pitched down to us so we can climb out. That's not what happens. The pit is one that holds its prisoners, the pit holds its prisoners held captive to the pit. until the captain of our salvation flies down picks us up and we ride out on the back of his wings that's the only way out of it it's by the Lord and that is it there's not a lifeline that you can throw down there's not a call for help that you can give out you're as good as dead you're in a pit, you can't do anything It takes the work of the Father through the Son to pull you out of that pit. Listen to what it says. Verse 4. And I I really love this one because as fathers, we need to be uh, examples of this. Um, And at times, it just doesn't show like it should. It just doesn't. But listen to what verse 4 says. Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Now these are, not, these are not temporal things. These are not things that you can feel, right? These are spiritual things. Steadfast love and mercy. It's not enough that our Lord forgives us, restores us. It's kind of like Lazarus when the Lord called him out of the tomb. It wasn't enough that he just said, Lazarus, come forth. No, he needed to be unbound because he was stumbling. He needed the right way. He needed needed more. And what the Lord starts, he, he finishes. Do you understand that? What the Lord starts, he finishes. It's not enough just to be restored. It's not enough just to be forgiven. But he comes down and he crowns us with certain things. One of which, what does the text say? Who redeems your life from the pit. Who crowns you with steadfast love. This is not with temporal things that corrupt, but with spiritual, heavenly things like an unwavering, steadfast Love. Do you have an unwavering, steadfast love? It should be noticeable in how we treat others. This is a love that the world. This is a. This is a love that the world does not understand that they don't have, that children of God have. We have been crowned with this. One day we'll be able to throw this crown at His feet and worship Him for all eternity, but we have been crowned with a steadfast love. The Scripture teaches us that they will know that you are my disciples by how we what? Love one another, and that love is not just a one-time deal. It's an ongoing, steadfast, unwavering love that He has crowned us with. This is an agape love that transcends the mountains of all the sin that a person can have in their life, and a child of God can look at that mountain of sin that they have and still love that person despite of it. Seeing all their faults and all of their failures, He has given a steadfast love that that we can see past all of their junk. In love. This steadfast love cannot come from the world. It can only come from above. It's an unconditional love. Another crown... Is that of mercy. The King James renders it tender mercies, crown of mercy. Think about temporally, think about in real life, as children of God, we're wearing crowns, and one of those is, is steadfast love. And then we've got another one kind of cocked to the side on top of it, and it's mercy. And it says steadfast love and it says mercy. If you were to wear those two things on your head, don't you think that it would be very important that you would be showing those two things that you're wearing on your head? Absolutely, right? This is how we have to think about it. He's crowned us with steadfast love and mercy, tender mercies. Spiritual crowns. And if He's given us these spiritual crowns, then we are to be examples of those graces. Christ Jesus is. He's the Son of God. You say, well, He's the Son of God. It's true. Wait, wait a second. Let's look at Scripture. We've got to understand Scripture calls us heirs and joint heirs with Christ. So don't put it off on God the Father that He is God and so, so we, we, we can't ever meet that bar. Be ye therefore perfect even as my Father which is in heaven is perfect. Don't put it off on the Son of God saying that you can't be like Him who is perfect. Don't put it off on Him because we are co-heirs with Him to the throne. Listen to this. Crowns also teach us the position of the one wearing that crown, doesn't it? When you see someone crowned, Queen Elizabeth who recently passed, she wore a crown. When you would see Queen Elizabeth and she was in that crown, you would know that she was what? A crown. Queen. Who said that? Selah. Thank you for paying attention. A queen. And if that's the case, then you would know she's part of or over that kingdom, right? Part of something that's pretty big. The scriptures teach us that we are royalty. That royalty is a priesthood. That we're called to. That we're kings and queens in a spiritual kingdom of God. Romans 8, 16 through 17, it says, The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may be glorified with Him. We are children of God if we have trusted in Christ by faith for the remission of sins. And He has given to us a crown of steadfast love and a crown Of tender mercies. And we're to be examples of those crowns. If we're truly His children, if we're truly part of His spiritual kingdom, kings and queens, joint heirs with Christ, if that is true, then it should be visible to the world. Steadfast love and mercy. We're children of God. We're joint heirs with Christ. That means we belong to the good, good Father's kingdom. And if that is the case, we will be found wearing that steadfast love. We will be found showing as an example looking like the Father, looking like the Son, showing as an example that mercy that's been poured out on us, we will then pour it out on others. We will be found wearing these crowns of spiritual graces just as Christ did. Fathers, especially fathers, the steadfast love and mercy should be crowns upon our heads. And so often we fail at it. God the Father has set the example and the Son came down and proved that example to be true and and it was displayed in Him because He's the express image of the glory of God and it was displayed in Him. And it set a standard for us as fathers that we are to look off to and that we are to live by. Be ye therefore perfect, even as the Father which is in heaven is perfect daddies it's not it 's not easy being a daddy, I mess up a lot. <laughs> My children, my children give me a hard time about how much I mess up. They ride me pretty hard about it and they make jokes about it. They make jokes about how bad daddy messes up. And when they go off in the van and they're, they're talking about daddy, they, they pick on him. I know that. I can see it in y'all's faces back there. You give me a hard time. Rightly so, I do. I mess up. Daddies mess up, don't we? Amen? We do. But as fathers, we have the opportunity to show, as children of God and as fathers, we have the opportunity to show steadfast love to our children. And to show unconditional mercy to them. This is what He calls us to be. And even as mothers the same. Even as mothers the same way. And so today, today, let us be encouraged to look within to see if we have that steadfast love that we have been crowned with by the Lord. These benefits that He has given to us—they're spiritual benefits—and yes, He provides for us temporal things. Yes, He our cup overflows. I don't see one of us in here that need uh, food, <laughs> but yet I still happen to grow eight times as much corn than what I need. And the Lord provides for us, and He provides for us good. But David does not mention the temporal here. He is speaking about the spiritual. And it's in the spiritual where daddies need to be working. Yes, they're to provide for their family. And I take that verse literally, that word of provide for our families that we're to work hard and make sure that those that are part of us have plenty to, to eat and have plenty to wear. I'm a firm believer in that. That was instilled in me on both sides of my family by my parents from a very young, young age. But we should have, not just that, but we should have... Spiritual matters that we are to contend with, to show to our children. These benefits from the Lord. We should show them our forgiveness of sin that heals all our diseases. Show them that we've been redeemed from the pit of death. We've been crowned with steadfast love and tender mercies. This is what they need to see. The last church I was at was, and I'm just about done, just bear with me. Uh, I am done, but just just listen. The last church I was at was, the men were the hardest working men that I've ever seen in my life. Most generally, they all worked in the oil field. And their jobs were physically demanding, and they worked, and they worked, and they worked. As a matter of fact, when they came home, they didn't know what else to do but work. And they worked six and seven days. Like every day, you could not get them to stop doing what they were doing to think about anything spiritual. They worked so fast. They worked so hard. I preached about spiritual slothfulness. And you would have thought I would have blown the church up. Because it doesn't matter how hard you work physically, if you're not spiritually working in the Spirit, nurturing in the Spirit, loving in the Spirit those that are around us, you are ER is working, temporal things. Just because I work hard outside and provide food for my family does not mean and does not show that I love them unconditionally. No, it's much more than that. Much more than that. David is not saying, thank you Lord for my sheep. No, he's saying, thank you. For your forgiveness. Thank you for your steadfast love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for all of your benefits. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. This is what He is saying. He is calling out and He is saying we need to be blessing Him for the spiritual things that's taking place in our life. Not just the temporal. And as fathers, this is is really really hard it is and so today I say this thank you Lord I praise you for forgiving me of my sin I praise you for redeeming me and pulling me out of the pit of death Lord I let it known to everybody here That you sought me out and you found me. You went after the one. And you loved me. Lord, and I thank you for that. You hugged me up, Lord, as the prodigal. You allowed me to fall on your neck, Lord, and you embraced me and you kissed me and you loved me. You have crowned me and you have clothed me. You've marked me. You've put a ring on my finger, Lord. You have put a crown on my head. You've put a robe upon me of righteousness, of love. Lord, you are the good, good Father. When you saw me running, you did not turn me out. But you knew I was coming because you were already on the way for me. You are the good, good Father. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Thank you, Lord, for allowing me Calling me, choosing me, forgiving me to be joint heirs with your Son, Jesus. Today I pray that fathers would be able to recognize that and be able to share that with their families. It's not going to be easy. It's going to actually require you talking going to require you speaking, sharing feelings. What fathers don't like to do. But David does. David shouts for joy. He cries. He was depressed. David shows us all sorts of emotions. And we can show that to our Lord and those that were around as fathers. And even as mothers. So I pray today that that you would bless the Lord. Make it known to those that are around you. Don't forget any of His benefits. Any of the things that He has done for you. Remember the good. And remember you are wearers of steadfast love. And mercy. You bear that crown on your head. Let's pray.